R starts tomorrow, and we've got details on that coming up in a little bit. Year of the Rat. Oh, 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 is that ironic? Still signing Year of the (laughs) Snake on all your checks? No? It's the Year of the Rat in many West Coast cities that, through their idiotic policies in the Ninth Circuit Court, now have enormous bum and junkie camps. It is the year of the rat, the day of the rat, the month of the rat, and last year was the year of the rat, and next year's <laughs> going to be the year of even more rats. I have a story for you on that. Coming up. I was at the Chinese restaurant with my son the other day, and we got invited to their big uh, year of the rat New Year's party for Saturday, where they're having 15% off and blah, blah, blah. I, of course, had sweet and sour pork, and it was delicious. Oh, for God's sake. they've got like 50 to 80 different things on the menu. Delicious. You're a man who enjoys beef. Your dad was in the cattle business. How about a little Mongolian beef? But why? I've already got one I like. Variety is the spice Man. of life. It's the crutch of the indecisive. Both in China, you'll exactly. speak when spoken to, that young exactly man. Right. Variety is the crutch of the indecisive. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, it's funny. Speaking of the bums and junkies. It has a common thread with the next story we're going to do. And I'm reminded of, um, you know, it was said to us once by a wise person a while back that um, that uh, politics are waves, but demographics are the tide. Giant shifts in who a country is, who a people is. And so elections come and go, but man, when demographics change, Countries change. Yeah, and, uh, average age of uh, this or that, mm-hmm. or sure, or ethnic uh, makeup, yeah. or or sure, right? Um, beliefs. Uh, in the same way, I think th- we have news stories like um, uh, the student loan crisis, or the and that one less so for reasons I'll get to, but the bum and junkie crisis, or. Um, people who get to retirement with no money, and therefore the taxpayers should be bilked more, and the rest of it. Those are news stories. Those are issues. But the tide is, and the tide's probably gone out, Jack will remind us, because he's, uh, he's very negative. The tide is, are you responsible for your own life, or is the government are you the captain of your own ship? Oh, yeah, that tide is out. Are you kidding? It's or, time to run down on the beach and collect uh, shells. That <laughs> tide is way out. Listen how negative he is, folks. Can you imagine dealing with this every day? <laughs> but that is the, the tidal question. Um, certainly since we're a, a more or less at peace and wealthy country, we're going toward the softer and softer, and, and people think it's up to the government to run their lives for them, which makes me so horrified and angry I can't even describe it to you. But! Here is a brave warrior. This guy's a national hero, standing up for uh, perhaps the last vestige of personal responsibility, sometimes referred to as being a grown-up. You got Liz Warren campaigning, trying to become president, and especially on the left, but increasingly on the right, the way you get elected is by passing yourself off as a combination of mommy and Santa Claus. When she announced the day before the debate last week that... On day one of being president, she would wipe out college debt. 
Right. Which, exactly. she, which she has no ability to do as president, by the way. Oh, no. Zero. No. I mean, it's not even close. It's not a wobbler. No. Where some it's not like she would do it and be overturned by the courts. I mean, there's just no mechanism. Right. It's not some legal scholars believe it would be. De- no. It, they, that's just not. That's like just start saying, I will start flying around right. the Capitol Dome right. on day one. <laughs> Judy says, how are you going to get to the Super Bowl, honey? I'm going to build a 747. It's undoable. <laughs> But anyway, she's still promising it to the poor saps of Iowa and New Hampshire. So anyway, she is talking about this, and a gentleman comes up to her and says, I just want to ask one question. We have the audio of it, but it's terrible, so it's better if I read it. I just want to ask one question. My daughter is getting out of school. I've saved all my money. She doesn't have any student loans. Am I going to get my money back? Of course not, Warren answered without hesitation. The father continued. So you're going to pay for people who didn't save any money, and those of us who did the right thing get screwed? And she uh, mumbled something or other. Um, And he went on to say, My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on all the vacations while I was saving my money. He makes more than I did. I worked a double shift. And then Warren chuckled, and he said, You're laughing at me. And she said, No, 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 I'm not. He said, yes, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. I appreciate your time, said the great senator. Well, it's, uh, what's your answer going to be for that? You start messing around with... Uh... You start messing around with the, the market in that way, the market being... Well, the market of uh, whether or not you should, you're ever going to have to pay for something, I guess. Market of responsibility. Yeah. Uh, you start messing around with that. Well, uh, it gets very complicated very soon. What what could her answer be? Well, there's no answer. No, and if you want to complicate it even further, all right, you're going to forgive all of those loans. What how far about, back are you going to go? Right. How far back are you going to go, and how far forward are you going to go? What about the next? How about the class in five years? How, what are they going to do? And how do you answer that guy who can't. who sat well that's right there is no answer and it's the same question and the same answer as you have a couple that lived very frugally their entire lives they they adhered to the philosophy which used to be everybody and now has a groovy name i just read for the first time yesterday the idea being you cut way back on luxuries and you save so that you can retire, you can retire successfully, maybe early, it doesn't matter, but it's up to you. But you absolutely are responsible for your retirement, and you must make choices throughout your life to make that work. Well, you have that person, and then you have the person who lives large, spends every dime they have and more, probably declares bankruptcy the day before they retire. They retire with no money. The answer from the Democratic Party and increasingly and horrifyingly, the Republican Party, is, well, that first couple has excess wealth that should be taxed and given to the less fortunate. And it's it's morally indefensible. Well, I mean, it is, well, it's, it's beyond morally indefensible. It's morally offensive. And, the, and uh, I saw some commentary on this. This is the sort of thing we've been saying for years is, um, you in uh, you give incentives at that point. So if if the, the message goes out to that guy and other people like him, if you save and pay for it yourself, you made a mistake. Right. If you take a loan, when eventually you get to the you get, bottom line. Yeah. If, if you take out a loan, eventually you'll get bailed out. Right. 
what what are you going to end up with in the future? Sure. Obviously, more people who don't save and feel like they got to pay for it. I mean, that's just obvious. I mean, if, if be, you want more of something, subsidize it. If you want less of something, tax it, as they say. Yeah. It's uh, that, it's well, it's well, it's it's one of the one of the great um, lies of politics, and it's it's ancient. Um, is that you you win office by taking stuff away from some people and giving it to other people? And again, this is not new. This is ancient. Um, Those but, who have been blessed the most, who have disproportionately extracted by whatever skill more and more from the national wealth, one of the, they're going to have to share more of that. One of the worst, most evil things any politician has said in my lifetime, Jerry Brown, suggesting that um, to be successful is to remove wealth from the public uh, you know, economy. Uh, anyway, uh, because it is so clearly immoral and indefensible of practice, except in the case of the truly unfortunate, um, there has to be a cover. There has to be, you know, a, 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 you know, a spin to the fraud. And that is the idea that everybody always makes the right decisions and is trying their best and is a good person. Because, like the, the two couples we discussed, the savers and the uh, the wild spenders who have nothing. Those wild spenders will be portrayed um, by politicians as unfortunate, as having been cheated, as victims of the system, uh, what have you. Because they've got to have moral cover for stealing money from some people to give it to others. And so it's it's just insidious and it's indefensible, but it's really popular. Well, yeah, and there's like a trillion dollars now of college debt out there, and that represents a hell of a lot of people. And if enough people vote, I'll tell you what, if I was going to guess, I would guess that you're better off having spent the money and taken the loans because I'll bet it's going to happen where those college loans get wiped out. I don't know. I don't know. You may be right. I, hope, I disagree. I freaking but, hope I'm wrong. Right. Because that is outlandish. Well, but I'll bet that's what happens. The only thing that, that softens my stance on this particular issue, not that I'm in favor of what Liz Warren's saying, but is there's been such ginormous fraud on the part of the colleges and the government and the banks. But They're all in cahoots that's, to make no money. There's oh no argument God. that that's not true. Yeah. But that ain't that guy's fault, and it ain't my fault. Right. And I don't have to pay for it. And... People making decisions. This happened to me when I was in college, and college was a lot cheaper, but people my own age who took out loans and paid for them for years. I worked a full-time job and paid my rent as I went. They took out loans to pay for this stuff. Fine, you get to make that decision, but I am not paying for that. Right. I don't want to pay for that. Right. Well, and you're not even saying you made a better decision or they're making a worse one. No. But you each made your decision. Yeah. No, which and is you, fine. I don't care what you do, but I don't want to pay for it. Because you're in charge of your own life. And I know, because I, I have personal experience with people, and I'm certainly not going to mention any names, deciding on way more expensive colleges than the other options. Right. Okay, go ahead. If you want to take out a loan to go to that really expensive college instead of that one that's cheaper, even though I don't think it's going to make any difference to your career choices or anything like that, mm. it's going to make a not a difference at all, and how much money you make in your life, go ahead. It's got more prestige, and it sounds cooler. Yeah. But don't make me pay for it at any point. Boy, there's so much evil and greed in higher education. You know, one final thing that's worth repeating, just so you know it, it's one of those eternal bits of wisdom, I think. Um, and, and a number of people, uh, Friedman pointed this out, and, uh, well, great, great economists and thinkers. I actually mentioned this yesterday. 
you got person A and person B. They get together, and they decide that because they're good and, and moral people, they will solve the problems of person C. But person A and B almost always decide, well, we want somebody else to pay for it. And so they vote to tax person X. And person X doesn't get a say because person X is outnumbered. And so person X is the forgotten man or woman who is the uh, the cash cow for A and B to say, look how generous we are. We have solved C's problems. And I, I haven't heard anybody put it more eloquently than Penn Jillette, the uh, magician and, and, and thinker and writer and libertarian. Um who said, that's not generosity, that's the opposite of generosity. That is forcible theft from one person to make you look good. That is the opposite of generosity. And I appreciate whatever that guy's name is, I don't have his name, but God bless you, sir. A thank you for getting in her face and in a respectful and intelligent manner putting forth that argument. I think we're all doomed, honestly. But at least you're still fighting. Good for you. So what's the year of the rat all about? It starts tomorrow. Who's the loneliest at the office, according to a new survey that is out? Um, and a couple other things we got to get to. I hope you can stay with us. And a quick update on what's going on with impeachment on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. According to the Chinese Zodiac, 2020 is the year of the rat. It starts and ends on Chinese New Year from January 25th, 2020 to February 11th, 2021. This year of the rat is an unusual 13 months long. If you were born in 1972, 84, 96, or 2008, you're a rat. No offense intended. People born in rat years are usually well-suited to be administrators, no, directors, not. musicians, no, lawyers, not. and Why so am on. I listening in to Chinese astrology, Chinese, the rat represents uh, superstitions. a person who is quick-witted, smart, versatile, and good at saving money. And has a long, hairless tail. <laughs> I'm okay with the, uh, it's the year of the rat, and it's the Chinese tradition, all that sort of stuff. But once you start getting into the personalities of oh, people born that year, stop it. Sorry, come on, I'm not a child. Yeah, we have science now. <laughs> That's hilarious. Stay tuned. Nearly 100,000 gallons of wine spilled into a major river. Salmon mating with bass and regretting it the next day. Um, and the year of the rat means uh, there'll be some parties at your uh, local Chinese restaurant. So, <laughs> so go tomorrow. <laughs> what are they serving? Squeak, squeak. <laughs> Oh, we're going to play a clip of Rudy Giuliani, right. Uh, Rudy Giuliani went on one of your uh, talk shows today to... I I can't believe this is orchestrated by the White House. (laughs) Well... Do they have the ability to stop him? I don't know. Or I I don't have any idea what the current relationship is between Trump and Rudy. They could be strategizing multiple times a day, or they haven't talked to each other in months. I have no idea. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that question has been... uh, I haven't been able to come up with an answer to that question for a long time about all this stuff. You send Rudy off to do something... Rudy does what Rudy wants to do. And uh, Rudy Giuliani, uh, Trump could be thinking, you know, the the usual. Um, I'm I'm in the news. Um, I'm dominating the news day with Rudy Giuliani. That's a win. 
Or he could be thinking, God, Rudy, shut up, but I don't want to make him mad because then who knows if he turns on me and I have no idea what's going on. Well, Rudy, as you know, has been ooching around Ukraine and what he has found will shock you. The way I approach it is for the benefit of the American people. When the vice president of the United States corrupts the president of another country, that is about as horrendous a crime as you can find. Uh, number 26, please. I'm going to present over the next two to three weeks shocking crimes at the highest levels of both governments while the Senate is listening to a totally phony group of stories about non-impeachable offenses. It's like trying somebody for not a crime. It's a total waste of money. It's a complete show on the part of the Democrats. Right. And they should be sued for conspiracy to defraud the United States. And they should pay <laughs> for that hearing. But what, what, okay. what, what did he say at the beginning there? I'm going to reveal what? I'm going to present over the next two to three weeks shocking crimes at the highest levels of both governments. Okay. While the Senate. Okay. okay. Yeah, there you go. Wow. Oh, wow. Over the next two to three weeks. You know, I'm, I'll bet there's some interesting stuff in there, but it reminds me a little bit of when Michael Avenatti would go on various shows and, yeah. and say, oh, I have some shocking information. Or, or I'm Adam not Schiff. ready. Or, or Adam, Adam Schiff. Schiff. He yeah. did that over and over. I can't oh tell you how many God, times yes. he was on Chris Matthews or Rachel Maddow. In the coming weeks, you are going to see evidence that the president said blah, 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 blah. And then Actively course, colluded with the Russians. I'm not allowed to reveal it at this point, but I will. None of those things ever turned up. Right. Who's the loneliest at the office? And some info on Bernie. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Yeah, I started investigating Biden two years ago when he was thinking about running for president. I never thought he would run. Look, look to me like he couldn't cross the street, much less run. He's old, you see. Is that an old guy shot? I guess. Says Rudy. So uh, one more I'm time. wrap this chain around your head. Oh, no. Huh? So huh? he's, he's going to fight Trump then, Rudy? Uh, we'll play that uh, clip 26 again. I just want to hear the first part of it. I'm going to present over the next two to three weeks shocking crimes at the highest levels of both governments. So I found myself well, wondering, why is it going to take two to three weeks? Well, it turns out because he's going to uh, tell you about those shocking crimes on his new podcast. Oh, really? Honestly? <laughs> yeah. Oh, joking. wow. Okay. Yeah. No, oh, okay. I'm not joking. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. <laughs> All right. Oh, we live in strange you, times. Rudy is a simple case. I don't know why more people aren't hip to this. He got divorced again. She took all his money again. He's had his money taken away in a divorce. He's broke. Is he? R- Rudy's motivation and doing crazy stuff is he's an old guy with no money. Mm. That's what he is driving Rudy. Okay. You don't know what you're talking about, idiot. Uh, yeah. we're, we're 10 days away from Iowa voting. Bernie's at the top of a lot of polls, and so he's getting a little more attention, as often happens. Got a little on that coming up. Um, mentioned this. Wall Street Journal out yesterday with the loneliness index and a story about young people at work. I'm going to find this sad and depressing, I have a feeling. I just think it's interesting in that if you'd have asked me to describe, if you'd have given me 500 words to describe my workplace experience when I was young, I would have never thought of lonely. Oh my gosh, no! I'd, I'd never. It would have. For, I, I would have never even considered that realm, uh, that 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 area of thought. 
I'm borderline unsociable, and it was the opposite. <laughs> yeah. It was camaraderie and fun, and it was great. Young people aren't feeling the love at work. And it's not because they don't get along with their bosses. They, they just feel lonelier in the office than older people do. The Wall Street Journal, Journal reported on the Loneliness Index yesterday that was released by a health insurance company. 20-question survey of thousands and thousands of people. They found that more than four-fifths of at-work Generation Z members. First of all, tip of the cap to Generation Z who's going to work. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> four-fifths of uh, Generation Z members, that'd be 18 to 22-year-olds, and nearly 70% of working millennials are lonely. Older generations, meanwhile, don't feel alienated or distant from their colleagues. Gen Xers and boomers also find their jobs to be more meaningful than their younger counterparts and don't have as much friction between their values and the companies. Oh, my, well, my, wait a minute. My values in the company. I've never considered that. Well, if you've got a <laughs> snowflakey butterfly fresh from... Uh, what would it be, 16 years of indoctrination by wackadoo professors and teachers. Well, yeah, they'll, they, they will. In fact, I've observed this uh, several times lately. Uh, they will hit the workplace and think there's something wrong with the workplace. These values are completely different than the ones my professor said I should have. Well, I had never in my life when I got a job, every job I've ever had, especially when I was younger, was just there's some place I can go. And if I do what they tell me, they'll give me money. <laughs> then I can make my car payment and my rent and you have, have enough made money. A good Nazi. And have enough money for some food and some beer on the weekend to meet a girl. That's the only thing that was on my mind. Whether my values fit in with the employer, just like the loneliness thing, never crossed my mind. So you were just following orders, huh? Yes. All right. For a paycheck. All right. A behavioral health specialist told the Wall Street Journal that part of that feeling of disconnect that's plaguing younger workers might have something to do with how much they use texts and emails to communicate rather than choosing to phone someone. I don't know if that's true or not. I have no idea. Uh, The survey also found that almost 75% of heavy users of social media felt lonely compared with 52% of light social media users. I believe that 100%. For the reasons we've discussed, you're you're taking in empty calories of companionship instead of a, a balanced diet of real companionship. Look, so you feel terrible. I look at it around here. If you see if you see young people hanging out, a lot of times they're staring at their phones. Now, if you didn't, ha- and, and so do I, but if you didn't have a phone to stare at, you are a lot more likely during a little time where you're not working to start a conversation. Yes. Boy, did you see the game the other night? Yeah. But if you immediately go to your phone, you're not going to say, did you see the game the other night? Or if you look over and see that that person's on their phone, you're mm-hmm. probably not going to hit them with yeah. that question. So, I don't know. You know, it's one of those funny things about life. It's not all like a moral question or a strategic question um, or intentional. I think about all the adventures I went on as a kid and, you know, playing baseball all day long and hockey and the rest of it and just the things and the, the mischief we got into all of it. A lot of it was motivated by we didn't know what else to do. Right. We were trying to amuse ourselves. It wasn't that, you know, as I think about my life as a seven-year-old, I realize that I will be a better and more rounded person if I go off on adventures instead of watching TV. I was forbidden for watch, from watching the TV, so I went off into the world. And there wasn't much on anyway. Right. And you couldn't record shows. I don't know. We had Gilligan's Island. On the uh, the UHF station? Yeah, for 30 minutes a day, there was a show I want to watch. The rest of the time, there was crap. It was quite a show, Gilligan's Island. I and mean, I, it was half an adventure, half a comedy. I also was a 10-year-old, was 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 never thinking, 
I probably need more exercise. A, a child my age probably needs more exercise right. than I've gotten today, so I better get outside and run around. There's nothing else to do. But uh, that aside, um, the whole job thing, and I don't know how you fix this, and I don't blame people for, for feeling this way, young people for feeling this way. Um, well, I think yelling at them is the thing to do. Maybe I don't blame them, but it's fun to yell at them. It, it changed. Why don't you toughen up? It changed from my dad's generation to me. It's changed from my generation to the next. And it, and I don't know what you do about it. The idea that your job should be fun or cool or fulfilling did not exist at all for my dad's generation. I know right. for a fact. Nobody cared about whether or not they liked their job. You would ask them that question. Do you find your job fulfilling? And the reaction would be, what now? <laughs> you, I'm sorry. What are you asking me? It would. It was so foreign. You know, yeah, people did. with choices would generally, you know, they'd rather have a job they liked than one they dislike. But it wasn't. But the idea the that question. it's going to be cool, though, like, you know, I'm going to be on TV or the radio, hypocrite, um, or you know, I'm going to get some sort of cool attention or or, or no, right. it's just this is a job where I can pay my bills. I understand why a lot of people. It just is. It's painful for a lot of people to think, especially if you're young, to think, I'm going to go do something that's not the least bit fulfilling. I'm going to do it all day, every day, for decades to pay the bills. Sounds awful. Yeah. Um, especially by the way we kind of look at the world now. But that's right. what everybody has done forever. The entirety of human history. That's what I have reminded myself during days where I think, I don't want to do this. Um, this being various things I've done through my life. But, you know. It's one of those deals, though. I get it. We're we're an affluent and and safe society, and so people think, well, why wouldn't I look for work that also makes me happy? Sure. I don't I don't blame them for no, doing that. Like I, I said, just, I don't either. The, the problem is if you come into the workforce with completely unrealistic expectations. That's a cultural thing. So, mm-hmm. what do you do if you go from a culture of I just need a job, I just need to support my family. That's what I need to do. I don't care whether it's fun or cool or right. fulfilling. Two, it's got to be fun or cool or fulfilling, or I'm lonely and sad. Yeah. And need uh, some sort of medication, or maybe I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. I mean, so how do you... Right. Well, sometimes beasts adapt to their new environment and thrive. Sometimes they die out, and and it's not clear to me which direction we're going in. Yeah. It fits into... Not not uh, as a species, I guess, more as a culture. It fits into a little of the popularity of Bernie that I was going to talk about from the National Review and the uh, the article about his life that I've got coming up that's pretty entertaining. Bernie Sanders, the yeah. ancient socialist? He's now at the, at the top of a number of polls. The national poll, at least one national poll. It's a Bernie-Biden race. One thing about the two polls that came out this week, one had Biden on top, one had Bernie on top, but they both had double-digit leads over everybody else. It Nationally, I don't know if it's going to play out this way in Iowa and New Hampshire, but nationally, it's a Bernie-Biden race. Mm. The, 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 the other ones have really fallen Poles. off. Polls, you say. Polls. We're getting pretty late in the game. Yeah. Ten days from Iowa. Yeah, polls. Anybody Which who polls? All of them. Who knows? Okay. Yeah. But it, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm, I'm almost rooting for Bernie to win Iowa just because I want to see how the Democratic Party is going to react. Yes. Oh, I like it when crazy stuff happens, as long as it's not horrific and, and people get hurt. But, oh, yeah. That, oh, my God. They, it would be like lifting up a rock and all the weird little bugs start running around <laughs> like lunatics. If Bernie wins, you're going to see the Democratic Party power uh, elite running around like those bugs, smashing into each other, screeching insane things to cable news. God knows what. If I were Bernie, I'd, I'd have some serious security. The most boring thing that could happen 
just in terms of entertainment, not what's good for America or anything like that, or either party. But the most boring thing could happen is Biden wins Iowa, gets ahead of steam, wins New Hampshire. He's gonna win South Carolina. Oh, it's, um, it's over. And yeah, and he's yeah. The, and he's yeah. the boring nominee, and we get you know what that's all gonna yeah. look like. So, but uh, Bernie wins, man. I, does Obama come out and give a speech? Or I mean, what happens? It's it's gonna be very exciting. If they could get Kennedy, they'll get Bernie. What I'm telling you, I would go to ground, man. What are you saying? Well, I said seconds ago, Bernie needs to hire serious security. But they, that's because they'll get rid of him. I was going to try to gloss over that. No, I'm serious about you, it. You're going to drill down on that. There are trillions of dollars at stake. If I'm Bernie, I watch my back. Of course, he's an old guy. He, he can hardly watch his side. Look, his I don't tolerate bullshit terribly well. His neck is very. I'm sad. not good at pleasantries. If you have your birthday, I'm not going to call you up to congratulate you so you love me and you write nice things about me. That's not what I do. There he, he is. Talking, there he is talking to the hitman Hillary sent. And well into his adult years, he lived in a shack with a dirt floor. That and other stories about Bernie <laughs> on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Politics, if you're uh, if you're gonna groan here, this is a um, woman, 51 years old, arrested for pooping at least eight times in the same parking lot. Stay tuned. For, Are um, you at risk? Let's not do it right now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And another uh, case of that Chinese weirdo virus in the United States that, that just broke. <laughs> the technical name. Uh, coronavirus. coronavirus. Yeah, you get it from drinking Mexican beer. Chicago woman. Hmm. So there you go. Who was also in that same area of oh, China. You know what? That area of China, I, I don't even remember how to pronounce this city, but um, I'd never heard of it in my life. 11 million freaking people in that city. Of course. I'd never heard of it. 11 yeah. million people. So it's the size of L.A. Just another the entire city. L.A. metro area. Yeah, just yeah. another city in uh, in China. Yeah. Um, Bernie Sanders, the Green Mountain Red. This is from the National Review. Obviously, the National the Review. The Green Mountain Red. I get it. Okay. Or maybe not obviously for you. I don't know. But it is a uh, a Republican right-wing publication, the National Review. So they're not Bernie fans. Uh, keep that in mind as, they, as the uh, writer said this. We will allow that Bernie Sanders is not a phony. He is not an opportunist. He doesn't have an ulterior motive. He doesn't sneakily play at socialism as a secret get-rich-quick scheme that wouldn't pay off until he turned 75. He was for socialism when socialism wasn't cool. And they spend many paragraphs making the point that he is the sincere deal. He is what he claims to be. He's never wavered on almost any of the things he's believed in. Unlike the utterly inauthentic Liz Warren, for instance. And that's part of his appeal. Okay. Uh, National Review doesn't agree with any of his policies, and and neither do I, but he is what he claims to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought this was entertaining, though. As late as 1972, and how old was he then? He was probably 60 then, right? Um, (laughs) As late as 1972, Sanders was living in a shack in the woods with a dirt floor. Wow, Unabomber style. Friends reported that to cook, he deployed a coffee can, at the bottom of which was a roll of toilet paper soaked in lighter fluid. I burned the toilet paper! They called it Burno. In the 70s, a decade he spent running without apparent effect for every office he could find, he'd wake up in the morning muttering about the revolution. We're not crazy, you know. 
he'd say to a like-minded housemate who might reply, couldn't you just say good morning first? Uh, a guy named, oh, Or just go light the toilet paper so we can have breakfast. <laughs> a guy named Garrison Nelson, who's a friend of his and was at the University of, of Vermont professor. Again, this is from a friend who said yeah. he'd wake up in the morning and start talking about the revolution. That That's like that clip we just played where he doesn't have a... You know, time for BS and birthday cards and all that right. sort of stuff. Right. He's about <clears throat> a revolution, about changing this country fundamentally. That's wow. all he thinks about all the time. Unchanged since the 60s. This college prof friend of his from Vermont said, Bernie's the last person you'd want to be stuck on a desert island with. Two weeks of lectures about health care and you'd be looking for a shark to dive in. <laughs> this is a friend, the National Review says. <laughs> Bernie campaigned successfully for the House in 1990 in a blue blazer that was missing a button. His car, unless he's gotten a new one in the last month, is a subcompact Sadmobile called a Chevy Avio. Sadmobile. <laughs> That's a funny term. Oh, when he said at a 2016 town hall that he didn't know the make or year of his own ride, no one challenged the credibility on that. I find that hilarious. Wow. I'm sorry. I just didn't know. Of course, it's the kind of guy you are. When you like, go get the battery. Or, or service, or how can you not... It's know? just not Wait, important. When you fill out your driver's license, or your your plates, and when you go to a hotel, that's, that's just extraordinary. <laughs> just, this is a guy who cooks his, his breakfast over, <laughs> what, lighter fluid-soaked toilet paper? <laughs> toilet paper rolls, I believe. Rolls, well, yeah. sure. But getting into the Bernie oh, the, Army. the middle part? Yeah, the yeah. Cardboard the part? cardboard part, yeah. Well, he's not going to use the TP itself. That no, would be insane. No, no, right. yeah, too no. fast burning. You need the slower yeah, burn I'm of sorry. the cardboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. want to have that discussion, we'll have that Any discussion. <laughs> But oh, National man. Review writer, uh, taking a look at the Bernie Army, the people that enthusiastically follow him. Uh, they're called the Bernie Bros. Bernie Bros, right. Oh, and uh, like the Dispatch, which um, uh, is not a Bernie fan either in terms of his policies. They they called that ad that he did in 2016, remember with the, the Simon and Garfunkel song, one of the most effective ads in the last many decades of politics. Hmm. And I think it's because it just, he is what he is, and in in, in in an advertisement, you can portray that yeah. in a way that you can't with a lot of candidates, because they're just, well, they're, most of them are phony, and they don't have anything to hang their hat on. Uh, read it from One the day, National Review. we had the cardboard thing from a roll of paper towel. It was great. It burned for a week. <laughs> But why Sanders resonates more than he ever did in the past is that he became the messiah of a huge class of people never previously known. Disillusioned, indeed bitter college graduates. Raised on the false gospel of a bachelor's degree, they got dumped into the job market with huge debts and jobs that didn't require their degrees in the first place. Right. This group also turns out to be the type that has the most time and energy to go out and organize, to knock on doors, and stuff envelopes. Don't underestimate a man who, man, a man who commands the fervor of the baccalaureate proletariat, which is a hard phrase to say. Trying to say. The baccalaureate proletariat. And that is what out the, is out there for Bernie. It's that crowd we were just talking about, the lonely Gen Xers and Millennials who, as was just said there well in, in National Review, got a degree that they were sold was an important thing to do, mm-hmm. that's not giving them any fulfillment in a job, and are lonely at their job. They're hugely enthusiastic for a revolution that changes that. And they're a fever behind the whole Bernie thing. Yeah, what's what they're getting wrong, and it's unfortunate, is they still believe everything they've been told up to this point in their lives and think that the the dishonesty, the cheating is uh, why they aren't happy, fulfilled, and wealthy. 
Uh, they don't get that. No, the the everybody gets a trophy nonsense. Your elders pumped in your head, in particular at college or whatever, was was utterly dishonest. And and they turned you loose. And it's an incredible disservice to the young. They turned you loose with a wildly distorted view of the world. And and Bernie is going to write that. Well, I'm sorry. He's going to write the wrong they think was going on, which was my professor was absolutely right, and, and I'm being cheated. If he wins the nomination, you'd have two candidates, Bernie and Trump, that can fill arenas anywhere they go with people wide-eyed with enthusiasm. Yeah. I mean, seriously invested in their candidate, unlike a Romney, a Hillary um, uh, a John Kerry, oh, sure. a number of candidates over the years. Where you know most this, of them over the years. This is my team, and I hope they win. But you know, I'm, I'm not feeling it in my heart like they will with Bernie right. and do with Trump. Now I, I mentioned him getting rubbed out by the Democratic establishment. Obviously, uh, that was mostly partly a joke, uh, and I'm not rooting for it. I abhor political violence of all kinds. Um, but the panic and horror, I think, uh, over Bernie would dwarf the panic and horror the Republicans had over Trump because Trump is a loose cannon, no doubt, and 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 rude and the rest of it. But policy-wise, he wasn't that far off the reservation to whatever extent you could even figure out what he was in favor of. Bernie would upset the world economy, and that is not a joke. Be fun to watch. Yeah, and we all will together. I was 10 days away. 